Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hi everyone. Tonight we are so blessed and so fortunate to invite brother Adam. Because <laughs> 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 the spelling a bit different now. It's A E D E A E M. Yeah, brother Adam, all the way from Malaysia. He is an Indian Muslim. Previously, his past faith was a Buddhist, and he's also now a very successful business owner and a life coach. He has a lot of story to tell, and I don't want to share so much. He's the star for tonight. So before we begin, I'll just share with you who are the panelists here on our show. We have on forefront here is Dr. Taufik. He's a doctor as well, and also a business owner, entrepreneur. So he probably have a lot of entrepreneurial questions to ask our brother Adam. Okay, inshallah. Assalamualaikum. Yes. And over here we have Brother Iskandar. He has been on all our episodes. Alhamdulillah. Thank you, Brother Iskandar. All the way from Netherlands. He's a Sino Dutch, and he was previously quite well versed in Buddhism and Taoism before he came to Islam. So then he probably can ask a lot of questions on Buddhism to our brother Adam. And now we have brother Adam here at the forefront. So if you're wondering, guys, where are the other panelists? They probably are late or they are tired or something. But inshallah, we'll see them. If they are able to come in, we will bring them in. So without much further ado, let's introduce brother Adam. Brother Adam, maybe you'd like to share about yourself a bit and a bit of your personality or what you like or something. And then share with us how you came to Islam from Buddhism. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum to everyone who's listening here and also listening live, right? I'm from Malaysia, specifically from Kuala Lumpur. I became Muslim about 12 years ago, specifically in 2009. I remember it was just uh, passing the Ramadan period. Originally, I am a Buddhist, practicing Buddhism. My mom is Chinese, Chinese Malaysians, and my father is an Indian. So obviously, I had a lot of influences on Buddhism from my mom. Specifically, I think a lot more from my friends back in high school. So it has been a wonderful 12 years being a Muslim. I think about eight years ago, my first daughter is going to be eight. So yeah, so it's eight years ago in 2013, I had a calling to get married and Alhamdulillah, I have four children right now. First three girls and the last one boy, he's four months old. And so I have been out from corporate world nine years ago, just I think a year after being a Muslim and I have been starting my own business and today I own two business. One is the um, health business and the other one is coaching business. So I'm just grateful to be here today. So that is my brief background about myself. The rest, I leave it to you guys to ask me any questions. MashaAllah. Wow, you're also into health business. So before we go into business, right? I just curious, what is Buddhism roughly about? Like you studied about Buddhism or was it like inherited from your parents that they taught Buddhism? <laughs> Good question indeed. So let me just give you a bit of background. So basically growing up, I actually grew up in estates, right? So it's actually a very small environment where we have, I think less than 50 people, you know? So most of them are rubber tapers, you know? So my mom is rubber tapers. And then both of my parents are uneducated. So typically you sort of like just follow whatever people do. My father, I cannot recall whether he's practicing Hinduism. So growing up, I was basically practicing whatever that people around me practice. So it started off being a Hindu. Well, I go to temple, I do whatever people do. And then I remember when I moved to KL about 13 years old, then I started to mix with more Chinese. And I remember specifically when I was in form six, I met this friend of mine. I believe he's a very staunch Buddhist. So I learned a lot of philosophy about Buddhism, where being vegetarian. So I like the whole idea of being detached from the world, finding peace. So I kind of pursued that for a while. And when I was in university, I remember I was being a vegetarian for almost a year. I guess the journey was about finding peace coming from an environment that it was quite chaotic. And 
and I think eventually once I started to work, I, I still I still practice as a Buddhist. You know, I mean, I just I do things like what normally Buddhists do, go to the temple. But I couldn't differentiate between Taoism or Buddhism. But eventually, I learned to understand that you know what, I'm just fascinated with the idea of the philosophy, but not so much of the worshiping of the whatever statues that you find in the temples, right? And I think uh, it has been going on, and I had a quite a good life, lah, a good life overall when I was being a Buddhist. You know, life was just okay, and I was pursuing my career very, very hard. I was very busy and I was traveling all around the world. And at one point, I think I had a lot of calling to understand the meaning of life. And I think it started off in 2008 and 2009, where the funny thing is that I'm being in a Muslim country, but I never really got to know what, what Islam is all about. And you know, the other ironic thing is that I think back in Form 6, I took history and one of the subject is Islamic civilization. And I have to really strive to get A to go into universities, but I have no clue what Islam is all about in real essence because it's just theory it stays on as theory so life was good i'm continuing with my life as buddhist and i think 2008 2009 i had a calling and i also remember brother Fedaus. that was a time that we had some sort of issue with tsunami and things like that mm-hmm. and this little moment i was at the corner of my office and you know i left my phone just like that and suddenly i think it's moving oh. so i guess it was an effect from the earthquake that we had in Aceh or something like that I, I i cannot recall the specifics so what happened on the specific day going back from office to home i liked to normally play around the radios. I think maybe Brother Taufik knows this. It's actually a song about Taubat, you know, repentance. So I kind of like get hooked with the song and it was very emotional. It hits me very deeply, you know, because it was very emotional. It's about I do not deserve heaven and I do not deserve heaven at the same time I'm afraid of going to hell. Something like that. But it just stay as a song. So it was just an emotional journey which I couldn't understand at all. So one event after another event take place and I remember there's another situation where every year I normally buy books for my nieces sort of text, you know, exemptions and uh, I passed by this corner of books Islamic section I think and I remember it was a prophet in Islam I was just you know I was just reading through and I came across story about Adam about Jesus about Mother Mary or Maryam so I was like wow I have no clue that Jesus is a part of Islam right so there's a lot of curiosity at that point and I started to discuss things like this with friends and most of the time I do not get the answer that I wanted so I just leave it as it is and I think strange enough things started to fall on place as well like for example i would have access to online readings about islam and the more i read the more i felt i wanted to learn more so i was very curious to understand more and i got hooked with hadith as well i remember every night before i sleep i would start to read the story of our prophet muhammad sallam and i just became very fascinated with hadith and every day before sleep i would just read and at one point it sort of like really has strengthened my belief that this is the right path and this is something that i believe it is truthful enough compared to many things that i have understand or you know studied before whether formally or informally but whatever it is i think as a person who has been educated i guess it just stays as logical informations but it doesn't go beyond there so i just leave it as it is and i just felt that you know that's it because coming from an indian chinese background it is quite a taboo moving into this kind of culture in malaysia so i just felt that i shouldn't offend anyone specifically my mom because she stayed with me i've been taking care of her since i started to work so that's it so i leave it as it is and life is good so i carry on with my work i have been extremely busy so that has always been part of my focus and priority in life so spiritually yes being a buddhist well i thought of like just 
understand the fact that you have to be kind. I can be vegetarian once in a while, but everything revolves around dunia. You know, it, it wasn't something that serious enough for you to think about the afterlife, right? At one point, I think, as I said earlier, in 2009, I remember it was specifically after Ramadan, where I had some sort of a very surreal dream where I was prostrating in white, which I have no clue what I was doing. I basically was prostrating and I felt very emotional at that point in time. At that time, I also remember when I woke up, I had tears on my face and it was something that I never felt before and it made me very emotional. Until that point, it made me feel that I should do more. Well, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I've already understand that, that logically this religion makes sense. But I had fear as well. Fear knowing that if I walk into this thing, it is going to be serious. It's not like you can just do it and I'm not a person who do things halfway. If I do something, I do it really well. So I decided to leave it as it is up until when I got the dream. It was very emotional. At the same time, I felt so peaceful, which I never had before in my life. Coming from a background where my father and my mom, they came from a very difficult background. So life wasn't easy growing up in Malaysia, specifically when you have a parents who are illiterate, they are not educated. And I have six siblings. I'm the youngest. I have three first elder sisters, follow my brothers. So none of them finished school. So I'm the only lucky one who actually managed to go into university. So there's a lot of hope in me being the so-called educated one. And it is kind of like, if you do something like this, you're betraying your entire family. So recognizing that it's going to be havoc, but I guess truly, I think what made the entire journey beautiful was that the dream that I had. It has given me a lot of convictions that this is it. Nothing can pull me away from this path. And guess what? I just went on to call a Singaporean friend of mine because as I mentioned earlier, I couldn't speak this to any locals or I couldn't speak to anyone because it was not something that I do. When I spoke to this friend of mine, he just said, are you ready to say Shada? I have no clue what Shada was. All I knew that I believe that this is the path that I want to walk on. I obviously, I have understand about Islam, but I have not really understood the pillars of Islam. Like you have five pillars. The first one, obviously you have to say Shahada. So, and it has to be in Arabic. I never recite anything in Arabic before. So when he asked me to recite, so I was like, do I have to really say this? I just knew that I believe there's a God, Allah. And so when he said that this is Rukun or this is the pillars, so he said, you have to say it. And he was quite firm about it. And I don't like people to be firm with me because, you know, at that time, I was quite strong-minded thinking that this is what I want, but I do not want people to dictate what I should do or what I shouldn't do. Because growing up, I have always been quite a stubborn person. Or maybe you would say that quite a strong-minded person when it comes to making choices in life or doing what is right for me. So at that moment, I just have to believe that he's doing the right thing, you know. So I just carried on. And literally, after that, I just have to rely on Mr. Google who has given me a lot of knowledge about how to perform prayers, how to do wudu, how to even recite Al-Fatiha properly. Obviously, th that is how much I could do at that point in time and having a very busy life in a career. Uh, I was actually attached to one of the big multinational, consumer good multinationals. So, and guess what? When I decided to go onto the path, I actually literally told my boss that I'm going to change my name because I wanted to make a pilgrimage because I remember the dream. It was so surreal that I was wearing white, which I never worn white from my head to toe, you know? I never did. So I felt that this could be something to do with car. And the beautiful part at that time was, I remember in Malaysia, there's this Astro. It's a satellite channel. They have two channels specific to Islamic channels, right? Which I remember. One of it was Oasis and the other one is Al-Hijra. So I got hooked to these two channels because it gave me a lot of learning theories and uh, I always felt connected with these channels. And I remember specifically and okay, so obviously after all this period has over, I became a Muslim. So I saw this program about Hajj. I think people are making programs to perform Hajj, right? And it was one of the local songs, uh, one of the singer in Malaysia, which I like, which I have no
no clue why this song is related to Islam because all this one it happens to be a song about love. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I when I was watching the journey of all this Hajj making the program, it just got so emotional. And that's it. So I said, you know what? I'm just gonna make my trip to Umrah, my first Umrah. And I did it like after five or six months being a Muslim. And I made my first Umrah. I have no clue what's gonna happen. And I remember two days before that I was in Surabaya, Indonesia, doing a business trip. <laughs> so I basically came back to Malaysia, staying the whole night in office cleaning up my work before I make the trip. And when I went there, I was so clueless. I do not know the way to do this. But once I did it, I felt that that's one of the most beautiful things I've done. And since then, I've been making trip every year to Umrah, like since 2009. So 2010 was my first one. Subsequently, I've been doing once a year, except for the last two years because of COVID. So this Umrah trip has been so special for me because it always strengthened my Iman, coming from a very challenging environment in Malaysia. And I felt that I should go there every year just to sort of strengthen what I believe in, continue to be better in whatever I do and of course one of the things that I wanted to do is also because I wanted to really change my family life coming from a very difficult background culturally they are very strong I mean my mom is Chinese she's very culturally strong she's a typical Hokkien who are very staunch about what she believes in so I remember when I told her about my decision of being a Muslim it was not easily being accepted at that time specifically for her she was in silence with me for almost two weeks well, I think that was one of the most difficult things that I have to go through being a Muslim at the beginning specifically with my mom because I have been always with her and she has been the source of my strength she has been my role model she's a hard worker she's a very strong lady so when she wasn't really accepting my decision and that has obviously gave me some sort of setback about going on with this but you know I really believe that this is the right thing to do so I carry on I continue da'wah with her so every year when I go to Umrah it's all about making du'a for her as well so it wasn't it wasn't easy for that was it has been going on for almost 10 years alhamdulillah after such a long journey finally she has accepted and embraced islam just last wow. year wow. yeah so long long journey yeah for 10 years and i think the whole journey became sweeter after she became muslim and now at this last stage of her life you know as i mentioned earlier she has been affected with covid and before that she has some comorbid like with stroke so for me to sum up my story i think despite whatever challenges i've gone through in my life i would say for the last 12 years being a Muslim is one of the best things that has ever happened to me personally and I will never, never, never trade this with anything else. So what I do today, it is about doing what is right according to my deen and also I believe my career, my journey in my profession is also part of getting Allah's rather. So whatever I do is in alignment with what I believe in in this faith. That is why I say that this is one of the best things that ever happened to me. MashaAllah, thank you for such a moving, touching and inspirational story, especially the highlight also is about your mom embracing Islam which I felt was super super amazing <laughs> but before we carry on I'd just like to introduce two of our panelists who just came Elena she's also called Zafira and she's also a revert from Singapore she's also a Chinese Muslim I think her parents are Buddhist also right they're she... Christians now oh sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay Christians okay and we also have a sister Joanne and Joanne is from Malaysia as well she's also a revert so Alhamdulillah she's here to join us tonight so just want to help the audience for those who came in maybe on the later part of the, the stream they may not get the full picture of who brother Adam is brother Adam is firstly a business owner also a life coach and the previous faith was a Buddhist but I think 
maybe you can correct me, brother Adam, if I don't get this right. But in Southeast Asia, like Singapore and Malaysia, most of Buddhists, they are also a mix of Taoist practices, right? Yeah. They have like a hybrid of both, not really pure Buddhism. But because pure Buddhism would mean they don't have other gods, statues and stuff, right? It's just like a way of life and how they are kind to the world and they improve their inner self and everything. So brother Adam has a Chinese mother and an Indian father. So in our terms, I think we'd be called a Chindian. Is, is that correct? That's yeah. right. Yeah. And he used to uh, work in a corporate company. It's a multinational company. It's Fortune 500. So brother Adam, maybe you can share us maybe more on the religious side first. What made you study about Islam is because of your work or is it because you just wanted to find out about Islam? Nothing to do with work at all. <laughs> okay. It's completely detached from work. It was completely isolated. I think never in my 10 years of my career, we actually sit down with any colleague or talk about religion. So I guess it was completely detached. And I think one of the reasons why I really appreciate Islam is because whatever I do, it is not isolated to dunya alone. And I think that was the place I was in with my career. For example, when I was excelling in whatever I do, it was very short-term focus. And I believe that I did that primarily because I want to give a good life to my mom and of course my immediate family at large. But then again, the true meaning of life itself is after dunya. So that is one thing that I don't think people generally understand that. And that is what I preach heavily to my staff or even to my children, even though they are like eight years and below. But I think it's very important for us to always talk about whatever we do is to get Allah's mercies and is pleasing, right? So I came to Islam due to situational, like for example, the story that I shared with you earlier. It wasn't something that I was pursuing hard. It was, I just felt that at that moment of my life, I felt a bit empty despite having a lot of achievement at work or whatever that comes along with that. Financially, I was quite independent as well. So it was not like I was looking for something about dunya, but I just felt that uh, uh, missing, you know, something. I just cannot articulate what it was. I couldn't articulate at all. And I say the turnaround of event came across the book of Prophet and it sort of motivated me to look for more understanding about Islam itself. And even though I have gotten most of the knowledge through my readings, through my readings, through the hadith, I just couldn't go into Islam because of whatever the stigma around the religion itself. And as I mentioned earlier, culturally, people do not... Okay, so we have to separate culture and religion. People have a lot of misconceptions about Islam. I don't think it's because of the religion itself. It's because culturally, we believe to be that whatever we are doing is right. So if you are Chinese, whatever you do is right. If you're Indian, whatever you do is right. So, but I think that purely coming from a strong cultural background, not necessarily do you understand what religion is all about. Having said that, as I mentioned earlier, once I had that dream, it has given me the conviction for me to pursue in doing what I believe is the right thing for myself. Not necessarily my family, but for myself. And I believe at the end of the day, if I want to make other people happy, it has to start with yourself first. And I do not have to prove anything to anyone. I had a lot of objection for my siblings being the youngest. <laughs> you know, I mean, they are much older than I am. I'm the youngest. So the one before me is about nine years. So among them, they are about one or two years apart. Mm -hmm. So there are five of them. So you can just imagine I'm the isolated one. <laughs> so when I had this calling and when I move on with this, I remember it was quite a dramatic moment in my family where I remember one of my sisters, they said, oh, I don't want to talk to him again. I'm going to cut him off my family, you know, that sort of stuff. Okay, go ahead. Whatever you want to do, you go ahead. I just believe if I continue to do what I do and I continue to practice the deen accordingly being kind to others, in short long, Allah will always be with us. And true enough, we are very close as a family today. Like all of us, I'm talking about even my siblings. They're very close to me and very close to my children. And Allah is great. Like as I mentioned earlier, when my mom embraced it, no one had a huge objection or any sort of like that. I know they have some sort of concern, but in a recent time, I posted my mom wearing hijab and everything. Everybody accepted positive.
positively because I believe that their heart got nothing to do with what I say is truly from Allah itself. So I just have to believe. So I guess for every person who going through this thing, you just have to believe that you'll be fine at the end of the day. And I'm saying with a full conviction that you inshallah will be fine because ultimately everything happened with this will. We as a human being, we may say A, but if you decided that your path is going to be B, that mm-hmm. is how it's going to be end. So you just have to believe that. So at that point, that's how I believe it. And I think partly because I'm very lucky because Fedawis being part of a strong multinational, I always tend to have a strong mind in whatever I do. Like for example, like what I mentioned earlier, if I decided that this is the right thing, then you just have to pursue it very hard. And what happened to me after being Muslim, I felt a transformation with me emotionally. I felt that I could start forgive things that has happened in the past. Like I had a lot of issue with some of my background in the past, specifically with some family members because as I said, life was very difficult. I mean, not just that it was financially difficult, it was emotionally brutal as well. We went through quite a bit of challenging. Like my mom, even though with my dad around at that time, she was almost like a single mom and it wasn't a pleasant journey growing up. So you tend to have a lot of emotional baggages and I believe vividly on my second Umrah or so, I was just weeping, weeping and weeping during the tawa and all <laughs> thinking about it I can even feel emotionally at the moment I literally feel like I've forgiven my father for whatever that he has done you know so I would not be able to even have that particular moment of joy or peaceful if I didn't become a Muslim and that is how powerful when you believe in Allah's plan and that is how powerful this religion is which I I've been Buddhist for I don't know how many years being a vegetarian I never felt that way because for me I mean not to offend anybody here but I guess for me at least being a Buddhist at that time it was very superficial with what I was practicing in dunya but there's no connection with the with the creator so, so for those who are not Muslims dunya is an Arabic word it means worldly affairs like worldly life things that we do in this world and in Islam we also believe that what we do in this world will also affect what will happen in the hereafter so we have the two places that we need to balance very well and one thing I'll ask you about brother so you logically understood Islam and along the way you had a dream which cemented your faith sort of like you pursue for Islam all the way is that correct? these are the two reasons that brought you to Islam and what were your misconceptions about Islam before? You probably had some when you were a Buddhist or even as a free thinker, maybe. <laughs> yeah, okay. So two things, yeah. I guess being part of this Malaysian community, I had one prejudice. And of course, oh, I mean, you had continued to read all these global fears about terrorism and all. So that is quite global, right? So specifically in Malaysia, as I mentioned earlier, if you are in a culture like Chinese or Indian, it's a taboo of moving on to be a Muslim. It's like, oh, you became a Malay. You know what I mean? So... That is not a joke because it can cause a lot of fear for people who want to be a Muslim. Because there's no way you can cut off your family ties just because you became a Muslim. So that was one of the major fear in Malaysia. And that is just taboo in Malaysia, specific to Malaysia. So I can't say that to other countries because I do not know how things are in other countries. But that is what's going on here. So I guess it is important for you to speak to the right person, understand the deen to the core, to really understand what Islam means. Islam itself, it means peace. There's no way peace means you're going to cut off your ties from family. And as I mentioned earlier, one of the things that I really fascinated with Islam was the hadith that I was reading constantly. MashaAllah, it has given me so much conviction and confidence that this is the right religion because I remember one specific hadith spoke about how important your mother is. The first one, the second one, the third one. Somebody came to Rasulullah and asked his opinion who should be prioritized in my family. And he replied, first is your mom, second your mom, third is your mom, and the fourth is your father. And that itself has given me a lot of confidence, right? recognizing that I was very close to my mom. And that is only one side of Islam. And if you look at every facet of Islam, mashallah, it
it has some beautiful narrations on stories that you can relate to that can mm-hmm. give you some sort of understanding on what is the right thing to do like mm-hmm. even for example if you're talking about for example marriage as a slave of Allah for men number one is Allah second is Rasul third is your mother and then the rest follows and for the lady Allah Rasul and your husband and you know it is so beautifully carved because in the future you know as a mom your son will take care of you <laughs> you know what I mean I mean this is something that I don't see it and that is why there's a lot of commotion there's a lot of feud with family ties which I don't mm-hmm. see that in Islam and the other things that I was so impressed is when I was doing my Umrah for the first Umrah for the first time I was like I cannot be that ignorant am I you know but like on that particular moment I feel like wow I could literally see the entire nations is there I could see Chinese from mainland like the pickled Indian from India and then you have this Mat Saleh or the Amor from the US so I was like blown away by that experience itself so I mean how diverse Islam can be and that is not the perception that you see when you are wherever you are so I decided to take that as a way to da'wah to my family members as well like for example when I had my first daughter I named her Nur Yasmin Chandran Nur because my wife has Nur in her name and Nur is actually one of Allah's name as well Nur means light right and then Yasmin and then Chandran is my surname and then I literally told my siblings that I am still going to be a hardcore Indian I'm just going to love chapati whatever it is you know I'm just going to but you know it takes so many years of explanation and still they will not understand because I think Hidayah is purely from Allah Mm -hmm. what we as a Muslim is continue to portray a good akhlaq or behaviors and stay true to the din and do kind and that is what I'm focusing on today Fedaus because we can't change people and if I remember somebody come to me and speak about Islam I would say no that is quite clear at that point in time and I'm saying this very sincerely what we can do as a Muslim is always being kind do the right thing respect each other whether the person become Muslim or not is not our calling like what happened to my mom I can only do to her I've been speaking for almost 10 years it is a painful journey guys i mean seriously every time i go to umrah i remember i will specifically go to the mutazam or the door of kaaba and i will pray there and i will weep weep non-stop nothing has changed for 10 years <laughs> the moment i let go when i truly let go you know what i have done what i can i will continue to do out for her but whatever it is is your calling whether she became one or not and i guess it's going back to what we understand of circle of influence and circle of concern we cannot be concerned of what people do we can only influence ourselves to be better every single day whether whether it's yourself and Allah, whether it's yourself and your wife, your children or your staff. And for me, that is what I'm focusing on at the moment, being a Muslim and being kind to others, inshallah. MashaAllah. Just for some of the audience who might not know what is hadith, hadith is basically <laughs> <laughs> the, the teachings and the ways of the Prophet, or Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. I think Brother Iskandar has a question here. So you found Islam through these ideas that you found inside Islam, but they are, for example, being kind to your mother or, you know, it's not unique to Islam. I think most major world religions have this. So was there anything specific that made you be like, this makes more sense than the other religions? Or This is a very good question, actually. Okay, so let me talk about that through the journey that I had. So first, as I mentioned, the emotion part is ultimately the one that decided my action plan, whether I'm going to be a Muslim or not. Logically, it makes all sense. When you study the Quran, when you talk about uh, the rights of women in Surah An-Nisa, or you talk about the Tawheed of Allah in Surah Al-Ikhlas, everything makes 
make sense. But ultimately, as a human being, I am speaking from my experience. I think we are emotional being and our emotion plays a big role in how we make our actions plans. And at that moment, I remember specifically the, the dream that I had, it has given me so much peace. And I think that is a very strong emotions, has given me a lot of confidence to pursue, number one. Number two, upon continuing my journey in Islam, obviously, I started to educate myself more about understanding Islam. So I think it's crucial for us to understand the pillars of Iman, the unseen. And that itself is something that is so powerful because obviously this is something that I have also fall in love with the presence of angel the presence of god the quran and the signs of judgment day and oh the one that really has made a lot of impact to me is the qada and qadar because as i mentioned earlier growing up i always have this anger towards people or i have certain issues and no matter how you want to be kind or you want to be better you always have that moment of frustration that comes from your past for me to let go it is important for me to understand the qada and qadar which means everything happen for a reasons. Our role is to be able to understand those moments as the facts and we learn from it and we become better. And that is where I really believe it. That is where I think it has its unique positioning for me as a Muslim. And coming from where I come from, everything's supposed to be witness. It's supposed to be in front of you. But there's a lot of things in life that cannot be seen, right? And that itself, it's something that you go by faith. For me, that is something that is very significantly has also helped me to be better and accept the past because the past is a powerful thing that can happen to anyone and it can be a baggage for you to move forward in life as well and religion is meant for you to be better and for me i see that this is the part that i think is completely unique and i just cherish every single bit of it mashallah i think oh, i want to ask you about your non-muslim friends <laughs> Yeah, yep. like how did you react? Like for me, because now I'm studying hijab, so like when I met up with my colleague, like Chinese <laughs> one, I will feel like afraid how they do think me, how they will react on like when I on hijab. Yeah, I totally can understand what you're going through. <laughs> I guess my journey somehow has prepared me to face all these stereotypes. So let me give you a bit of background. Being a Chinese Indian, you definitely go through all these biases growing up. <laughs> Whether it's from the Chinese community or from the Indian community or even from the Malay community, I always being misunderstood as a Malay in Malaysia, especially in Ramadan, is very tough for me. So, so that's number one. But among the community of Chinese or Indian, there's always a bias. So I think growing up, it has somehow taken my face. I don't know whether it makes sense to you. So going back to your questions, when I was announcing it to my clique first, because I spend most of my time at my work, right? So that is where you have your social circles. And I literally believe that's one episode I was in a lift a senior of mine she's a Chinese she literally said to me oh I cannot believe that you became this <laughs> I was just looking at her puzzle but well that is my decision it's nothing to do with you you know so what I'm trying to say is everyone can say whatever they want but it should not get that affect you and that is what I did and I remember this specific incidents like I mentioned earlier I told my immediate manager he was an expatriate that I want to change my name and I'm going to go to Umrah I will not be contacted so I made that alignment very clear and I remember specifically during Ramadan, I will send out an email to the entire country. The specific email address that goes to everyone, I will go to the company very early in the morning. I clock in at 7 a.m. I will leave by 5.30 p.m. It's just to educate people that I'm going through a phase that it is part of my faith. And I'm doing that with a full conviction. I'm doing what is right for me without breaking the responsibility. And I think that is something that I wanted to share to anyone. If you do something out of your love to Allah, you just have to believe no one can harm you. And that is what I strongly believe. But 
I guess the impact that you're going to get from this is the people closest to you who are your family members. And you need to mentally prepare that these are the people that can hurt you more as well. If they don't understand your journey, they can hurt you more. So you have to prepare for it and recognizing that there's a bigger force out there that will guide you and protect you. And that is what exactly I did. So I will not lie, there have been some up and down at the beginning, but I just went on with the faith that I will be fine. And as I mentioned at the beginning, the last 12 years has been the most beautiful journey I had and nothing that I will trade seriously, nothing. Alhamdulillah. Okay, we're going to the business question. But before we go there, there's okay two questions here. A question from the audience who said, in Buddhism, you also learn about peace, about calm, about being yeah. good and everything. So mm. what was significant in Islam that is different compared to that? Uh, mm. Basically, this was the question by Brother Sharani Kamis. You also do meditation as a Buddhist, right? What's the biggest difference? And another question is from Joanne. Dear Joanne also wants to know, how do you answer to your non-Muslim friends about Islam? How do you talk about Islam? Yeah. I guess the easiest question with Joanne's question first. <laughs> Okay. Honestly, I do not do any explanations because I just continue with my life and I don't see a reason why should I explain to others because it's my choice of life, right? Start, right? But of course, to the closest one, when they question me in a way that they wanted to have a discussion with me, what I do, I normally share my journey like what I have been sharing with you guys. So I have been telling them like what happened from the day one until the end. And most often not, they were just like, wow, and they were very supportive. So for those people that just ask me randomly, depends on whether I want to say or I want to share because they depend on the context of the questions. If the question is primarily being judgmental, then you need to decide whether that's the right moment for you to share or not. That is entirely up to you. Going back to a friend that asked about Buddhism, personally, at that moment when I was a Buddhist, life was good as I mentioned earlier, right? Everything was peaceful. It is a good philosophy about detail from the worldly matters. You do kind, you have this eight wheel of life or something like that where you continue to do good and I continue to say at this moment it is one of the teaching that is very very helpful for humankind okay the only difference that i see with myself and islam and buddhism is that i have the direct connection with my creator which i mentioned through my dream that no one can give me that and that itself is a very strong emotion that has allowed me to be where i am today for me that is the clear differentiation mashallah very well said it's the connection we have with the really? creator and you know that the creator is there to take care of you look out for you and love you and to grant you mercy and anything that you want the connection with that beautifully said okay so now to the business question you previously was working in a corporate company i believe so what made you want to be a business owner and an entrepreneur and to what extent has this reached in islam also an islamic view of this part does okay. it complement it and afterwards dr taufi also have questions for you <laughs> when i was in this multinational i'm already part of a business functions i involved in sales and marketing and also eventually i got into a general management where i took after profit and loss. So long story cut short, brother tough. It happened because there's a change in the family where I decided to stay put in Malaysia instead of moving on to Singapore as part of my next role. And at that time, my dear wife, <laughs> she's already part of a residential program to be an eye specialist. And I see a reason for me to set up one. So I started off with my mother-in-law first and I specialist center. At that time, with only one, one shop lot, today we are at 
three floor building, one of the prime area in KL. So business is something that it is like a no-brainer for me. It has always been something that I wanted to do and the time was just right. To your questions, everything we do is revolving around being a good Muslim. Like whenever we set up this eye clinic, we wanted to serve the Ummah. We want to give the best service. We want to raise the best stuff as well. So there's a lot of hard work that I normally do not put in into my corporate life. I didn't put in when I was in corporate, man. So I felt that the challenge is even more now because there's more work because everything we do with one goal in mind to please Allah only. And along the way, managing people, it has been quite challenging, especially when you are small, medium enterprise. The kind of talents that you get, it is not as probably like when you are in a multinational. So with that, you must have a bigger cost or bigger strength to carry on. That was when I decided to be a trainer because I believe training people cannot be just on logical mind. It has also from the deepest part of your emotion as well. So I wanted to be a trainer as part of my way to give back to the society and also help people to be better. And when they become better, they become happier. And when they become happier, they do more and they can become their true self. So that is what I've been doing for the past, I would say, 15 months to 18 months, especially during this pandemic, I have started a new company that is focusing on providing NLP trainings. And recently, I have also gone beyond NLP training and started to work with corporate to provide corporate training as well. MashaAllah, thank you. Thank you so much, Brother Adam, for sharing. It's just so heartwarming and touching to hear your journey. And as a born Muslim, I cannot relate, but it's just very, very touching the things that you share. However, being a born Muslim, you also have different challenges. For me, I grew up working hard to do well in school and I'm surrounded by mostly Chinese. So I was taught to work hard and get a very good job or even in business, also surrounded by a lot of Chinese concepts of working hard. But when I was growing in business and in career, there seemed to be a split or a separate between career and Islam. So my career or my business was like, okay, earn money, do well. Okay, that's my career and business. Islam is solat, do the five pillars. And I spent quite a lot of time to figure out how to put them together. Like you said, everything seemed to align when you align your life with Islam, everything seems to be better, right? So I want to ask your experience and also your thoughts as a trainer, as a business owner. How did you align Islam with your career, your business, and how has it changed or improved your career and your business? Wow, that's a very meaningful question. Wow, very good. Thank you for the question, uh, Dr. Tafik. Well, it started off, like I said, in my previous company. I remember we were about to move to a new locations and we are to also contribute in our ideas and I think I specifically also spoke about having surau in the office itself because it's like a many floors. Typically, people go down to ground floor or whatever. And because our job is highly intense and sometimes you're catching up for solid time and things like that. So I think for me, this is also speaking from going through for the past 12 years, which means sometimes their iman is up and down. So I must say at the beginning, I really pay attention to my solid really because for me, the solid has really strengthened my belief because sometimes going through business challenges, there are times that you know you have palpitations. Wow. How do you face this human being or how you go through this situation? It is just daunting, especially in multinational where you have so much responsibility and you're talking about billion dollars ringgit. <laughs> so that you cannot avoid as a human being, you tend to have fears and things like that. And for me, the solat has really strengthened me and I always always, always align with my superiors that for my solat, I will not compromise. And as a matter of fact, I remember there's one incident I spoke to my, because normally they tend to have a lot of teleconference during the Zoho time. And for me on Friday, 
day, I cannot miss my Friday prayers. And as I said, that was at the beginning, right? Because the beginning as a new Muslim, you tend to want to do things right. And especially I remember this one day, uh, brother Firdaus, this is a real story because <laughs> I was so naive about traveling and I don't understand Islam to how I understand today. Like for example, I remember this one day I was traveling to Singapore and I think I reached the place at maybe around 12 o'clock. I was literally catching up taxi, go to the mosque and I was running to catch up for the Friday prayers. And I didn't understand the fact that when you are a Musafir, you can actually do the combination prayers. So what I'm trying to say is that that was how I used to be at the beginning because I literally do by the dot and it has given me so much of strength, so much of strength and believe that you can do whatever you want in dunya as long as you have Allah in your heart. And if I may share a bit of personal story in a recent time that just happened, as I mentioned to Brother Firdaus during the offline sessions, the entire family was affected with COVID. It was very emotional. It was highly emotional because I have an elderly mother who is 81 years old. My youngest son, a boy, he's only three months old at that time. And my wife, she had COVID. My three girls had COVID. And I, at one night, I have to be transferred to hospital because I started to have breathing problem and my oxygen level has gone down to maybe 92. And in one of those days, it went down to 40. So I was from category three. I move on to category four and no one wants to go through those things. So there is so why I'm sharing this, it is also maybe can answer Dr. Tafik's questions. I was that person who really focuses everything in dunya. I work really, really hard. Let me tell you this. I work extremely hard because I came from a non-privileged background. My mom, my dad, none of them can, as I mentioned earlier, they cannot even read properly. So I made myself up to university. I had a scholarship. So I always strive hard and it's very exhausting. It's so exhausting. And one of the reasons why I became a trainer it is for me to always believe that you can do all this, you can achieve all this greatness in life and still balance with spirituality. And when I had that moment being sick in hospital, I completely detached from the worldly matters. I surrendered myself 100% to Allah. And at that moment, Dr. Afiq, I just constantly, zikir, you know, zikir means zikir, right? I carry this any place that I go. I grew up to highly dependent on zikir and I constantly solat even when I was sick. Why am I sharing this? To share with you how re surrendering to Allah 100% has strengthened me as a human being. So surviving COVID, coming back to the reality now and talking to you today, I came with an objective that I will continue, inshallah, to do really well in whatever I embark on. And at the same time, having the balance that at the end of the day, it all happens from the man upstairs. I don't know whether it makes sense to you because I guess I understand where you come from that the pace is just so fast, but we just have to stop and recognize that nothing happened without his will. So for me, I want to to be excellent in dunya and ahira so I just want to make sure that in whatever I do I keep my salat I keep my zikir all in intact because I cannot afford to lose this because these are the only things that I can hold on to before I've been called upon so that is something that I'm sharing very personally it is not something that I can tell you like with the formula you have to do this do this to get this you know but it's something that I came to understand that you cannot have everything you always have to have a balance so for me that is how I find my balance in dunya and ahira and really strive to do well in whatever I do. MashaAllah, I think the sharing that you talked about how you were affected by COVID-19, I'm so sorry to hear that about you and your family and how you still held on to your faith and rely everything upon Allah. I know this is a no-brainer question, but how important is spirituality in a businessman's life? Because some people or some businessmen say, no, you just need to work hard and you have a plan and you just strive and you're just going to do well in business. Like You rely on everything that you have, your own strength and your power and maybe the connections you 
you make. But uh, how important is actually spirituality in a businessman? Like, that's my question for you. Okay. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about SWOT analysis or the annual report. We're not going to talk about all these technical things. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no. Seriously, I think being in the business for the past, I would say seven to eight years now, Alhamdulillah, one thing that is important as a Muslim to always make sure that your source of income is clean, which means whatever that we get is out from riba or out from things that will keep us astray. Um, sorry, sorry, brother, in case people don't know what is riba here, riba yeah. in Arabic means interest and solat yeah. means prayer. Okay. Yeah. So for me, one of the things that I, because during COVID, we were heavily affected as well. And obviously as a human being, there will be a doubt whether we can proceed or not. But I think one thing that is important, the risk or the money, everything is from Allah. And we just have to believe that we, whatever we have, we also have to always give back through zakat or through sedekah. Zakat is one of the pillars of Islam and sedekah is a non-obligatory, but something that will always come back to you in whatever way. Like in our case, when we go through all this, for me personally, when I went through this COVID, it has been one of my gifts. As a matter of fact, you know, I see it as a gift because it has given me so much of awakening about life. It has given me so much of happiness through zikir. So that is something that you cannot get through money. So the rizki or risk. Okay, maybe you want to translate that. <laughs> yeah. Sustenance that God gave you. Yeah, so it comes from many forms. It is not just the money from the monetary standpoint. So as a family man, because both of us are very busy parents, every little moment that we have with our children is also a sustenance. So I see it that way. So whatever you get, you always share with other people. This is something that it is not even something to compromise or negotiate. It is a must because sustenance is from Allah and that is the beauty part of Islam. We're not here to hoard money or whatever because we're going to go anyway. So whatever we have, that is how Brother Fredaos, I find balance in business. Like when you go through a lot of difficulties about business, business plan, competition, whatever terminology you want to bring in on business, <laughs> I always believe that it's about giving back. It is about doing the right thing to humans and those things is very, very important and cannot be negotiated. Allah will always repay back in, in a way that you'll be surprised. MashaAllah, very well said. I think I see some of the questions here that our panelists have. Brother Iskander. The balance between this world and the religion it's sometimes people will see it as a choice right you either choose one and you let go of the other but yeah i've heard some opinions expressed that it's somehow more like something that you do at the same time it's not like when you let go of the world that you go towards religion or when you let go of religion you go towards the world right i don't know if there is a kind of a dichotomy between that and if sometimes perhaps religious people see it as something separate whereas mm. think that if we live correctly according to the islamic way that actually both can be successful Right. I don't know how you see that. Yeah. Okay. I completely in agreement with you because yeah. I do not see this as a separate. I always see things in tandem. If you want to be successful in Akira, then I see this as a bridge to go to that successful Akira, right? I mean, if you look at the prophet, we had a lot of example of prophets who are very rich, like they contribute a lot through their wealth. So I choose to see that way. And at the end of the day, this is how I believe because I believe the deen, it's supposed to make you successful in this world. And that itself should drive more people to understand this is a progressive religion. This is not just a religion focuses on Ahira because the way for us to go to Ahira, it depends on how we are here today. I always, I cannot remember where I read this, but if you want to see Firdaus or heaven, it is how you are having heaven here. Does that make sense? So it's like, if you want to be successful in the hereafter, I believe you need to be successful here as well and do everything it takes to be successful here according to the Sharia, not in expense of the deen or the values that comes with it. For me, 
as I mentioned, I have seen the world before I became Muslim, the world that I was in the past. I will not trade anything for what I have right now because it has given me so much that I do not have in the past, like for example, peace. And the real understanding about sustenance, that is something that you can only know when you truly believe of giving back sincerely. And I have also seen many miracles that happened to me in a way that I never expected. When you give more, you get more. Because I believe in the past, I do it deliberately like a formula, you know. But I'm not sure whether I did it sincerely or I just did it because for the sake of doing it. But today, I think everything go in tandem. And I think one of the things that I cannot translate this in English, but I believe when we live this world, we live three things. Everything will be expired, if I may say that. Except your sedekah jariah. Second, the pious children that you leave behind that can do all for you. And then the beneficial knowledge that you're leaving behind to others as well. And that is the reason why I'm also going to trainings because I believe whatever I do, if people apply and they practice it and they carry on to the next level of their life as well or even to the next generation. So I believe this is something that will continue to grow. Sedekah Jariah works the same way as well. Whether it's one ringgit, one dollar, it doesn't matter. You continue to do that and it will continue to prosper in a way that you never see. And leaving behind the children is very important for me as well because I had the privilege to know Islam after 14 to 1500. So somebody has to leave behind a good legacy and it all starts from us. MashaAllah. Very well said. Those three points. Once again, to reiterate, first one is charity. The money that you give out to others, even after death, they still bring benefit to you in the hereafter. Also, knowledge that you leave behind when people use it and benefit them, this also will come back to you as rewards after you die. Children that pray for you, even after you die, their prayers also will bring benefit to you in the hereafter. I think brother Taufik, Dr. Taufik have a question for you. Yeah. Okay, so I hear this a lot or at least among the Malay Muslim community which I'm sure you heard a lot also from your friends in Malaysia. Sometimes they talk about having syukur or having gratitude. Sometimes they say, oh syukur lah, enough. Having enough, good enough. No need to work so hard. You can eat, you have a house to live, enough ready lah. Why must you work so hard? You know, you have to go out so late, do all these things. So, so my question is, how do you strive towards excellence mm. even having all this gratitude and shukur or how do you answer this wow. very you, good question actually this one is also <laughs> Dr. Tafi you tend to ask me difficult questions but I will try to answer that as well okay that's what I'm here for thank you thank you for that I really think it's a very good question I am disagreement to that because I believe whatever we have it is not for us alone that is the beauty part of being a Muslim and as a matter of fact as you know I mentioned earlier that I do have siblings they are not Muslim yet I choose to say that they're not Muslim yet because I believe one day Hidayah can happen to anyone. For me, when I'm so blessed with life like this where I can get more and earn more, it's a way for me to give back to the society because we are live here in an interdependent world. We cannot just focus on ourselves and that is what separates us from many other things. I also believe very strongly on ecological cycle of life. It has to be a win-win situation for everyone and whatever sustenance that we have, if we are not working, striving hard for it, I do not know what is the purpose of it. So what are we here for? For. Are we just going to sleep and sleep and sleep? What are we here for? So I guess with whatever bless that we have through knowledge, we have the capability from health. We should strive to be the best and be the example to others to follow us. And when you do well and you are able to give back, and that will be another sustenance that you will always get back in a way that you never imagined before. So for me, I do not settle for mediocrity. I think this religion is about being excellent and it's about striving for the best. And that is what I aim to do and not just for myself and the whole 
whole vision of our family, my wife and I, is to do so, is to do this. And as a matter of fact, if I may share this, on the 24th of July in Malaysia, we have a seminar for work-life harmony that we are doing, where half of the fund that we are getting, we are giving back to the Malaysians who are going through tough time through COVID. It's only 68 ringgit, guys, you know? So it's like less than 30 Singapore dollars. For any Singaporeans listening today, please join the seminar as well. You can just check out my Instagram. Half of it will go back to the community where we wanted to help the people because they are going through a lot of difficult situation in Malaysia with a lot of psychological issues, a lot of... Even I heard stories like people are committing suicide because they cannot carry on life, paying bills and things like that. So, Brother Tafi, I really believe I am here to make a difference. This is my belief and I believe my children, I will aim to do the same for them as well so that they know that they're going to make a better impact than what mommy and daddy has done. And I truly believe these four wonderful children of mine, they're going to make a lot of impact better than me. Mm -hmm. So I go with that belief and I believe Allah will grant that. Amin. Amin. In fact, I really resonate with you over there because in the Quran, it says about us coming down here on earth as a khalifa for Allah, a representative of Allah to take care of the earth, to benefit everyone. And as a Muslim, we should be striving to keep benefiting everything, not only mankind, but creatures around us, the earth, the planet. We should show how we can improve everything that we are given here as a test on earth. And inshallah, when we do all this, this will come back to us also in the hereafter as rewards. So as Muslims, we see both balancing both worlds in the perfect harmony. That's how beautifully uh, Brother Adam has just described the importance of always striving to do good and doing well in what you do, striving to achieve more than what you can. And that itself will put us on a better light as Muslim people see, wow, Muslims are actually all really trying to improve people's lives, not just thinking about just themselves or their family only or just contented with simple stuff only. But most importantly, not about themselves. When they strive more, it's actually for striving for others. Yes. Mashallah, that's very well said. Any more questions from our panelists? Joanne, or oh, Joanne have a question. <laughs> I just want to ask like because we are revert so we tend to like really appreciate about the Islam then how do you educate your kids you make sure they really really love Islam and Allah and all things because both Muslim and Muslim are different ah <laughs> uh, okay yeah yeah. that's a very important question as well because one of the things that we believe in Iman right things that cannot be seen so my wife and I we really associate everything to love everything is love everything is Allah's love Allah's love so for example a simple thing like doing the work from home situation because I will work most of the mornings in the house and I go to my office in the evening because normally the girls are having classes because I just want to make sure that I'm there to support them. So at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, one of my daughters will come and ask for a tea break or whatever. And I know why she looked for me because there's some sort of a sweet stuff that she can get. But of course, I always go for healthy. So we have this muslis in the house. When she comes look for that, typically I'll be doing my duha, solat sunat duha, one of the non-obligatory prayers. And I said that to her, I'm doing this because I'm being grateful to Allah because Allah has given daddy so much that daddy can buy food even for you. So like whatever you're eating right now, whatever books that you're reading is all from Allah. And as a matter of fact, I will teach them about Asma ul Husna, the names of Allah. Like for example, Ya Alim, Ya Hakim, Ya Rashid is all about intelligence. So I will talk to them like the way you're able to read is all from Allah. Daddy love you, but Allah love you more. So I associate everything towards love. Because I think from parenting, they are able to feel our love, but it is important to associate love to Allah first, that everything comes with Allah's only. So my wife and I, we are very particular about this. Everything we do, we go back to Allah. Like even Kaisan, my youngest son, I always say, Allah love you. Even when I carry him, I don't say, call daddy, call papa or daddy. I always say, Allah love you, Allah love you. Because it is important to inject this thought to them because as an NLP trainer, I believe whatever we say, it goes to their unconscious mind or subconscious 
subconscious mind. And it's important to drive values that is very good and healthy. And everything we want, everything they do, it comes from love. Because in this world that we are living in today, there's a lot of hatred and there's a lot of negativity. And love starts from our family. And because it's very easy to tell them to do maths really well or to score 100 for English or whatever. But anyone can do that really well. But love is something that you need to cultivate at the tender age before seven years old. And as a family, we are very clear about that. So we do this very consciously showing them that constantly they need to showcase love. Mashallah, I think that's a very well said also. And I think it's very important because we are parents. I mean, I myself also am a father now. And I think about what am I going to teach my children. And I think one of the most valuable things you shared today was to always attribute whatever we have to Allah and so that they will always look for Allah for guidance. Because Allah gave even your daddy guidance, right? <laughs> so as a children, when they know that, oh, I should always look for Allah, even when daddy will call home to be with Allah, they still have Allah to run to, to seek help from. Yeah, I think those are very well said. All right, guys, uh, we have recrossed the 15 minute past the an hour mark. And I believe all of us have a lot, a lot, a lot more things to ask you. <laughs> but I think for the sake of this session, and also because I think it's quite late, we are going to end it right here. But uh, just to let you know also that now we are already the ninth day of Zuhijjah. Tomorrow is Arafat. I think it's very apt that this month is Hari Raya Haji. <laughs> and you're talking about the dream of Hajj. And this aligns so perfectly to what you shared of your dream. So in two days time, it will be Hari Raya Haji. So I would like to also wish all our dear viewers out here. And also for our panelists, our Muslim panelists here. And all of us, Salamat Hari Raya Haji. In Southeast Asia, we said Salamat Hari Raya Haji. <laughs> but around the world, we said Eid Adha. So Eid Mubarak. And for anyone who have more questions, don't be afraid to put your questions down in the comment section in the, the, the video. And uh, most importantly, I pray that all of you will be also kept safe now COVID-19 and the variants and all, all that. I pray all of us will get through COVID-19. COVID-19 will end and we can once again travel and be those we love. And uh, inshallah, Allah will keep us safe and protect us always. So for everyone out there, we thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll see you next week for the next episode. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you.